0: Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 136th-ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. What did you think of that national championship game? Uh, That was disappointing. I
1: Well, pretty much anything was disappointing after that Final Four game. Yeah with uh, ucla and gonzaga but uh that was that was a surprising outcome i would say that was probably like the last thing i thought was going to happen was a baylor blowout
0: yeah same uh the final four game between ucla and gonzaga was incredible yeah and obviously the finish was just cherry like, on the top for yeah. sure so, like literally you know, probably 50 billion people have already said this but it's literally like what you practice in the driveway or like at the end of practice or whatever you're doing when you just like have a basketball and it's like, oh, count me down and make that buzzer sound. And he did it in the biggest game of his life so far. Yeah. Do you think um, Do you think
1: they were just, they just kind of expended all energy and spirit into that game
0: and they were just tired? Yeah, or? I mean, potentially like two days after just like pouring it all out on the court in an overtime game in the biggest game of your life yeah and and baylor just slept to walk through their game pretty much yeah. well that was the thing when i was watching because i watched uh, obviously baylor houston and it looked like the exact same game against gonzaga mm-hmm. like it, you could have just swapped the gonzaga players with the houston players and it was the exact same thing they were throwing the ball around turning turning it over they're guards looked like they hadn't seen real defense all season yeah that was. And, and Baylor is not like a top five defensive efficiency team this season they're like in the 20s Their their rating improved throughout the course of the tournament they but, were scrappy yeah Gonzaga couldn't hold on to the ball I know that's exactly game. what Houston looked like they looked like they were sped up they looked like they were nervous every yeah. time they touched the ball also Baylor pretty much made every shot they took which oh, that, helped yeah that certainly helps <laughs> but uh i was i
1: was surprised to see gonzaga meltdown like that a little bit but uh baylor earned it yeah. yeah
0: they were fun to watch i do feel like they were i don't know i feel like maybe baylor was kind of doing that thing where like they're gonna play such physical defense that you just won't be able to call all the fouls hmm. on the perimeter especially and so they just had hands everywhere that had to have been super annoying for the gonzaga and houston guards but you saw it with uh, Quentin Grimes in the Houston game, like just like making bad passes, turning the ball over at midcourt, and then Jalen Suggs was doing some of that for Gonzaga as well. I just kept thinking they were going to get
1: back into it. Even halfway through the second half, I was like, this game's not over.
0: Like, but, Yeah, they cut it to nine at one point, mm. and I was like, okay, like, there's something going on yeah, here. This and then is it, when it was 20, like yeah. a minute later. I'm like, well, okay, what happened? I, know, I was
1: like, well, that, that was that
0: problem. Yeah, and... Baylor actually did cool off to some extent, uh, at least from three, but they were still just making enough of them to not let Gonzaga get back in it. And Gonzaga was just cold from outside. It was literally a repeat of the Baylor-Houston game. Yeah, I wasn't too thrilled with it. I thought it was kind of ugly, but also I was rooting for Gonzaga for my bracket. (laughs) I was that close. We did it. We did it. We uh, We did it, everyone. We stopped Cameron from... Winning again. So close. So, um, the three of us actually did quite well, all things considered. Producer Cameron, you were one of two people in the whole bracket group to have picked Baylor. So, you got second place. I thank was there you, in you. third. Um, and, Kyle, your entry was fifth. So, I think we represented ourselves pretty well uh, in there among the listeners. But we have to give a shout out to Parker. He was the champion of the. Uh, Missouri sports podcast tournament challenge group. And we were thinking about like pretending like we don't know Parker just <laughs> for fun, but we actually do know Parker. He's one of our friends in real life, not just on the podcast. So it is kind of bittersweet. I mean, it's even worse for me. Like somebody that I know that I like compete with in other things like video games and stuff, he won, but gotta give him his due. We'll send him a shirt and some stickers. Congratulations, Parker. We're proud of him.
1: <laughs> We're proud of him.
0: <laughs> you did a great job picking Baylor.
1: yeah we uh, we had a lot of a lot of entries, a lot of funny funny bracket names, so thanks to everybody that participated uh, and
0: hopefully he'll do it again next year and uh, we' had a lot of fun. The next highest uh finisher that was not one of us and not the winner Parker, was also someone named Cameron, so shout out to Cameron and his bracket name was Rossberg's up and Under a beautiful thing yeah took me back and man we could have used rossberg that like conference play rossberg or like that second half of conference play rossberg his senior season we could have used that pretty much any time since then as well or against norfolk state (laughs) yeah wow it, it doesn't even seem like it was this, like watching the... Uh, that was a little violent. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't just like th- like throw that on us out of nowhere.
1: Just like. It would have been perfect though. It's exactly what we need against Norfolk State. True, that's true.
0: <laughs> um, watching the national championship game and even the final four, it's always like, this is the same event that Missouri participated in, it feels like a year ago. That Missouri was playing Oklahoma.
1: Did they play in the same court that Missouri played in? I think they played. Well, they played in one of those Lucas Oil courts that looked exactly like the same court Missouri yeah, played on. Surely. Same like atmosphere. Yeah, 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 probably so.
0: Yeah, it's not. I guess not typically. They don't typically play the early games on the exact same setup mm-hmm. that they're going to play the final four. But
1: well, it's quite a large building, so I'm sure yeah. that they.
0: Well, they. I think they probably did this year because yes, producer. Yeah, player. I
1: was just thinking and. I guess I could probably look it up. But they probably could have had courts on both sides of They
0: did. Mm. Have games going at the same yeah. time? Wow. Just Actually like I saw basketball days.
1: I saw a tweet <laughs> that uh Houston, I believe, after they I think it was their Elite Eight game or maybe it was after they after they advanced to the Final Four, they were having their congratulations on the court and uh the other game was getting started literally on the other side of the curtain from, mm. from where they were. It was like mm. a All the lights were off on their section. They were kind of walking off the court with their trophy and whatnot. And that (laughs) makes sense. You don't have to like
0: set everything up. It's just like ready to go. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations, Parker. You won the. uh, You won the group. I'll be. I'll be back next year. Now, not you won't all be out to get me. So I I don't have to worry about that. Don't have a target on your back anymore. Exactly. But will we still believe in your takes though? You better. After, after Abilene Christian beat Texas, I think that's all the uh, backup I need. So System is validated. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the week's Mizzou news, uh, don't forget, if you're just listening to us, to check us out on YouTube. Even if you don't want to watch us there, we appreciate you subscribing. Um, and if you are watching on YouTube, leave us a comment and a like on the video. That is appreciated. And also don't forget to check out our Patreon page so you can see how you can interact with us even more. And that is patreon.com slash Missouri sports pod, patreon.com slash Missouri sports pod. Kyle, we talked about Amari Davis last week. Um, he has some, some fellow, uh, new additions to the Mizzou basketball roster. We went through who we thought maybe Mizzou was targeting. Some of them they were, maybe some of them they weren't. And uh, Missouri has already struck out maybe on a couple guys that we thought they were in on. The staff would probably tell you that if they didn't get their guy, then it wasn't really a priority to them. Um, I I think I want to just kind of like go through the last week because my feelings about the whole offseason, and I think a lot of Mizzou fans feel the same way, fluctuated quite a bit from day to day or even within the same day um I don't remember what day it was exactly that most of the transfer news specifically for Missouri was going down yeah for me I think this has been really
1: fun I've enjoyed the past couple of weeks I can't stop checking Twitter uh just trying to find the next little nugget of news about uh what Missouri's roster is going to look like next year that's just been a lot of fun and uh, Missouri hasn't had a lot of turnover on their roster the last few years. Um, we've just kind of seen the same guys play for two or three seasons now. So it's been kind of fun just knowing that everything's going to change. We're going to have a whole new group of guys, and uh, it's all going to happen really fast. And so it's kind of fun just seeing how that all comes together. But we talked about a lot of people last week. We talked about a lot of, a lot of free agents, if you will. And <laughs> funny, the two new players that we have to talk about, we didn't talk about at all. And you could, I don't know, I don't
0: think that's a bad thing, um, but- And I would say only one of them would we have even thought- Had on the radar at all. Yeah. Uh, So the new additions since we last spoke are, it's spelled like Dawan, but it's pronounced DaJuan, Gordon, transferred from Kansas State. Uh, He is a guard who averaged nine points per game and five and a half rebounds per game this past season on a pretty terrible Kansas State team. So it's kind of interesting to think about like his numbers on a bad team compared to, and I've seen some Mizzou fans do this on Twitter, compared to what our reaction would be if he had committed to Missouri out of high school. And I think that's a good point to bring up. It's like, if that were the case, we would still I think have some hope and see some promise in his future game and I don't think his efficiency statistics would be quite so bad on a better Mizzou team than the Kansas State team that he was surrounded by what do you think
1: yeah I think I agree with that um yeah it's just thinking about Kansas State being so bad you're like surely he could have scored more had more opportunities but I just not really sure that was his role I mean I'm not sure that yeah, it's good that, to see somebody scoring a lot of points, but not everybody has to have that role. And I think that he's, I think he can fill a very specific role in a re- in a really really good way. And he's very athletic, and he's a great rebounder, defender, and considering that those are his roles, and he probably knows that. And I think, however, one reason he did leave Kansas State, I think, is because he wanted to be more involved in the offense. But knowing that's your role is to go. Uh, clean up the boards and get putbacks and um, put defensive pressure on on the other team. Nearly averaging almost 10 points a game, I I don't think that's all that bad.
0: I would agree, and I think the more I dug into his numbers and watched a little bit of, uh, even though it was highlights, uh, watched some film on him, the more I saw, the more I liked, and the more I thought actually he would have been – A pretty big contributor potentially on this past team even though obviously the team needed shooting desperately and he doesn't really provide that but just an athletic finisher and rebounder like we already didn't have shooting yeah so our non-shooters being more athletic and better defenders would have been an upgrade and so that's kind of where I am at with him even though when this was first announced, we had Davis on board. Everybody in the world knows that we need shooting on the roster desperately. And so seeing them add a guy from Kansas state that has a career to uh, 28% three point percentage, that was really disappointing. And it was like, okay, what type of player are we after here? Right. Like how does this make any sense?
1: I would 100% agree that um, at that time, at that very moment in time when he when he committed and I looked at some of his stats and stuff, I was underwhelmed and I was a little disappointed and kind of wondering how, how does this player fit? We hadn't heard anything about this player coming from a bad team. Yeah, I just kind of started thinking about all those negative things, um, but I, st- I wasn't allowing myself to see the full picture yet. And knowing even a little bit more about the roster um, now, I think makes this seem a little bit better. I I think, I I, in my mind, I'm just thinking we need scoring, we need shooting, and whenever we get another commitment that can't shoot, I think it was like, what are we doing? But not everybody is gonna be, not everybody has the same roles on the team, and I think I've kind of digested that a little bit and realized that this guy's gonna have a totally different role, and he's kind of a downhill slasher he's athletic he's really long <clears throat> I, I don't know I, I think i've come around on on him as a, a as a prospect a lot more than i was when he first committed
0: yeah and the fact that he has three years of eligibility um that's a bonus and it makes me feel a lot better about develop developing his offensive game a little bit um one thing a couple things that stood out to me when i looked at his sort of like advanced metrics on kempom is he used um he was 18th in the entire Big 12 conference in percentage of possessions used, and it didn't come from turnovers. Uh, It all came from him shooting the ball. So uh, he had the 18th highest percentage of shots taken in the Big 12 conference this past season. So, And then you add to that, his conference play offensive rating was 82.5. And a 100 is average. So that is what I first looked at. And I thought something about that's just kind of like terrifying to add that type of dimension to this Mizzou team that already struggled a bit on offense and had high possession guys that didn't have high offensive ratings. Couldn't be efficient when they really tried. Looking at the other numbers though, paints a prettier picture. But it worries me that he wants to be more involved in the offense because that doesn't seem to be his strength. I mean...
1: That is the most concerning thing to me as well.
0: As well, because like, well, man, uh, I'm not sure you can shoot. Um, If he wants to eat up minutes, like just being a solid defender and an amazing rebounder from the guard position and, you know, finishing fast breaks and uh, being like a slasher wing guard hybrid... I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. And he shows that he can do that as well because he has a very high steal percentage, very low turnover rate, um, doesn't foul a ton um, and is one of the better, was one of the better de- uh, rebounders in conference play mm-hmm. despite being a 6'4 guard. I also wonder what his numbers would have looked like if he were coming
1: from a mid-major program, kind of like the other two guys are. Um, you know, we, like, like I said, we kind of scoffed at that nine points a game uh, statistic and but you know he's coming from a power power five team where there's probably maybe a little bit more competition for points and maybe his athleticism
0: might have taken over a little bit more
1: at a lower level I don't know I think that makes sense
0: yeah because when you're looking at um, Amari Davis who we talked a little bit about last week we can um, touch on that again I mean he coming in averaging 17 points per game and also shooting 28 percent from three like okay so let's just compare the two players shooting percentages. Davis 28% just this past season. Gordon 23% from three. From two, Davis 46%. Gordon 47%. So these 17 points per game, that's just coming from uh, better free throw shooting and higher usage. Yeah, and worse competition. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if uh
1: if this team has a little bit of an adjustment period where some of these guys coming from mid-major programs uh i don't know i mean it's not like they've not played more athletic guys before but um it may take a little bit of time to kind of feel like they're back in the rhythm again uh playing on a team where everybody's as talented as they are playing against uh more length and athleticism and better defenses uh they may not be able to score at will as much as they were at lower levels
0: yeah, the thing that I'm excited about with Davis, though, is he has um, got to the free-throw line a lot and was a 80% free-throw shooter. Um, and that's something that we thought we had plenty of, and then it just wasn't there this past season, Yeah, he is both getting to the line and making them.
1: Yeah, he, he's in constant attack mode and uh, putting pressure on the defense and trying to penetrate, and uh, I, he, he definitely has an exciting game for
0: sure. Yeah, and that just, like, kind of the mid-range game i mean missouri's offense struggled they they did want to just get to the rim or shoot threes but they weren't great at either one a lot of the time so having a third dimension of mid-range shooting um i think that'll only help open things up for other players if they can even be a little bit efficient at the rim or from three um anything else about mr gordon daishwan missouri's gonna be the just the toughest team aren't they well, I think that's, Conzo uh, Martin would sure like that to be the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds really dumb, and I do kind of say it jokingly, but I do, without, without knowing these guys personally, but just kind of gathering what I can about these guys, um, It does it, with their style of play and their personalities, it does seem like they fit a Konzo Martin coach team so much better than like an Xavier Benson or something like that which is not saying much because Xavier Pinson seemed like the polar opposite of a Kanto Martin type player, but yeah. and we saw that to be true. But I really do think that uh, Conzo Martin is obviously looking for talent, but I think he's looking for guys that are coachable and that are tough and play his style of ball.
0: Yeah, and I think Gordon is the type of player that can um, play well in a faster-paced Um, offense that's trying to score in transition I mean if you can kick the ball ahead to him and he can just try to take it to the hole um, with his athleticism that we saw at times where like like a player like well like Pinson and Drew Smith they were kind of having to finesse it a little bit in those situations and a player like Mark Smith or Javon Pickett they just didn't have the finesse or the athleticism a lot of the time they to just get blocked make it work yeah um i did notice
1: that amari davis coming from green bay they had like a sub 300 uh tempo so i wonder if he's gonna enjoy playing a little faster tempo and that's a, that's another thing to think about just with missouri's offense i definitely think xavier Penson was a massive factor in missouri's tempo being way faster this year than it has been in the past i wonder if that will continue without him
0: Uh, I can only hope so. And since you mentioned it, I looked up Kansas state and they were 308th in adjusted tempo. So two players that I think will enjoy playing a little bit faster pace. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you're a Mizzou fan who, when this news came out, wasn't very happy with, uh, how the roster was shaping up. I was right there with you. Um, I thought we needed shooting. We haven't gotten any except potentially some mid-range shooting from Davis, and we were gonna have to rely on freshmen a lot, but there were still spots to be filled. And I have to say, I was trying to withhold judgment until we got a few more spots filled. And thankfully, didn't have to wait long before Jaron Coleman, but uh, from now on, he will be known as Boogie Coleman. That's- uh, Great name. That's his chosen moniker. So. We landed Boogie Coleman from Ball State, and he is very much the type of player that I was hoping Missouri would land. Um, I had seen his name just like as a an announcement uh, type of thing, and we, um, you know, we were just it happened just a little bit too late as far as like a little bit of buzz for us to be talking about him last week, but actually. Um, I thought it was kind of hilarious that you and i were like texting back and forth and we were like before he announced he's going to mizzou it was like okay maybe this is a name to look at we were getting way too excited way too fast at the prospect of him being a missouri tiger to where the it got to the point where i actually forgot that he hadn't committed yet and i was like really getting pumped up and i was like okay yeah this makes sense like i like how this fits into the rest of the roster and then you said something about like oh, we're probably getting too excited and he won't even come here. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he hasn't even (laughs) (laughs) announced yet. And I've already got him, like, penciled into the lineup. (laughs) Yeah, we did get a little carried away, didn't we? (laughs) But we just had that feeling in our hearts. Sometimes, Sometimes you just know. So thank goodness he actually did commit to Mizzou, and he hopefully will bring his almost 14 points per game, five rebounds per game, and three assists per game over from Ball State. Um, if he brings that, then we'll be in really good shape.
1: Yeah, uh, Coleman clearly the most intriguing prospect of the three that we've landed so far to me, uh, just because of his versatility, his he brings and his ability to score. That's something that Missouri fans are we've wanted and we've been we've just been looking for that a, a pure scorer, a pure shooter, and that seems like something that Coleman can absolutely bring to the table. Um, he's athletic and long. He's not like I would say he's not as uh, athletic as Deshwan Gordon, but he is, he's still very long, gets to the basket well. Uh, he's just, he's incredibly versatile.
0: Yeah. A much more efficient player on offense. He, um, he did only play in 13 games this past season. Uh, but in those 13 games, he made 31 of his 73 three point attempts. So that's, um, 42.5% on almost six three-point attempts per game. I will take that 10 times out of 10. Yeah, that's that's enough for me to think that it wasn't a, wasn't a fluke. Yeah, that, and that was an uptick from his freshman season at Ball State where he shot uh, 32.5%, but it seems sustainable with that kind of getting that many shots up and getting that many to fall, I don't think is a fluke, and even if that ticks down a hair to like 39 40 percent I would not expect him to
1: shoot over 40 percent
0: right I will I would do some some unseemly things uh, to get some Mizzou players to shoot 40 percent from three this coming (laughs) season Uh, so he finished his sophomore season at Ball State with an offensive rating of 106 so notably above average there Um, the type of player he is though is just incredibly intriguing because if you so before i actually saw any highlight tapes of him or anything like that i just went over to the ball state Kempom page and i was trying to figure out you know how they used him exactly because when you look at his efficiency numbers he's using a ton of possessions 12th most in the conference that he played in the fifth highest assist rate the ninth highest three point percentage the 24th best block percentage on defense, the 22nd best defensive rebounding percentage. So he's doing everything. He's contributing in every meaningful way, and he's 6'5", 205. And when I look at their team page, he's listed. So for those of you that don't know, Ken Palm doesn't actually know what position players are listed at. They it just uses algorithms to try to figure out what position they probably play based on the minutes distribution and stuff like that. And it has him as their starting power forward and also their number two point guard and third on the depth chart at the small forward position. If you were labeling them traditionally. So he's Ben Simmons is what you're trying to say. Something like it. Uh, it's Ben Simmons with a three point shot. <laughs> Even better. <Yeah. laughs> So yeah, immediately I thought, you know, this guy's bringing the ball up plenty, but also is like the second biggest guy on the floor for them a lot of the time. And they're probably playing four out a lot. And even their starting center shot some threes. So they were ball state was playing an interesting type of offense this past season that probably would have been fun to watch a little bit. And also... Uh, I got to mention the fact that the number one guy at small forward and one of the better players on this Ball State team was senior guard K.J. Walton.
1: Yeah, I heard about that.
0: (laughs) Familiar name. Familiar
1: name, distantly. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be really excited to see how they use him at Mizzou. And uh, we may know before the season, just based on what the rest of of the roster looks like. You know, there's still – guys out there that I think we could land that are m- true point guards. That would maybe give us a little bit more hint as to how they're going to use Coleman, but uh, I really have no idea how they're going to use him.
0: He's going to shoot threes, I know that. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that's one thing that I wonder. Like, If he's your best three point shooter, are you going to have him bring the ball up a lot? Probably not. Like judging by how Missouri has used their shooters in the past. I mean, Cassius Robertson brought the ball up quite a bit until Konzo kind of figured out that he could let Geist run the point. Um, but, yeah, that'll, it'll just be super intriguing. And when you add a player that's potentially as dynamic as Coleman, I think it just opens up options all over the floor. And it makes – the biggest thing for me is it makes the addition of Gordon, of Deshawn Gordon – make a lot more sense yeah so that was just a few hours later in the day where i was like and this is exactly why we should see what how these other spots are filled Mm -hmm. before we get too down on things and i was there i was like yeah i know you were getting pretty disappointed and then that's not to say anything about gordon specifically as a player, but just like how he fits in with what's already on the roster. Right.
1: Looking at him individually was underwhelming. Yeah, But as a uh, piece of the puzzle, I, I really like what all three of these guys bring to the table and how how they're all different and uh, kind of versatile in their own way and all have the ability to score and, and rebound and uh, I, I'm excited. And all three of those guys have three years of eligibility. At least they're, they are eligible to play three more years. We don't know if they actually will, but...
0: We'll see if Conzo allows it. Yeah. If they have a good enough reason, then maybe they'll get three years. Yeah. Um, so we still have some spots to fill. Now, I, I eventually I want to circle back around to Coleman a little bit because I think he um, ties back into some specific things I want to talk about regarding the coaching staff. Um, but with these last two spots that are available, like I just want to go ahead and give them to – Tamar Bates and Christian Bishop like I want to do that yesterday just go ahead and add another guy to the freshman class bring in Christian Bishop to play the five spot and uh, call it a day something tells me it's probably not going to go that smoothly Um, what do you think for these last two spots
1: if I'm taking best case scenario I think I honestly I don't know I might say give me Wendell Green for uh, to play point guard and Christian Bishop. Uh, at this point, I really think we can rule out Christian Bishop. I really don't think that he's coming to Mizzou. Uh, at one point yesterday or two days ago, Kansas got a commitment, or, yeah, they got a commitment, and I was like, okay, I think they're full. And then since then they had somebody declare for the NBA draft and they had somebody else transfer. So yeah. So scholarships are not an issue for somebody. Yes. They will make room for, for Christian Bishop if they want him. And I think that's probably where he's going to end up.
0: But, um, and we're also seeing other players come off the board that Missouri was interested in. Obviously the biggest one is Brandon McKissick, who we were kind of in love with last week. Mm -hmm. And we thought there was no reason why you could count Missouri out and, But he ended up going to Florida, which doesn't really align with his stated goals in transferring, but, uh, I think potent will, will we kind of both think potentially he thought he had a spot at KU and it, that didn't end up being the case and if Florida comes calling, that's, you know, an excellent program to try to go compete for a spot. But, um, I think he'll definitely be competing for a spot, uh, he'll be competing heavily for playing time at Florida where that may not have been the case quite so much at Mizzou or like St. Louis, but he's off the board. Um, There's some other guys. Um, We talked about the fact that it's probably a no go for multiple reasons with Cam Fletcher, Caleb love Um, window Green's still out there. Um, With the way that this Mizzou coaching staff operates with recruiting. I mean, I just shrug like, You don't know what's going to happen. something can make the most sense in the world. And you would think that the coaching staff would prioritize guys a certain way. And then you see something just kind of come out of the woodworks that you didn't expect, and maybe it doesn't even make sense after the fact. So it's hard to predict and things are changing with the transfer portal literally by the minute. So I think some spots are going to go away though, that. And I thought that was the case with Christian Bishop. I thought maybe he had a spot at Kansas, and then they recruited over him. But now they've opened up a spot or two, so who knows? I think ideally, though, they still got to have a big guy, and then maybe they just pocket that last scholarship if Tamar Bates isn't interested.
1: Yeah, I do think that is their number one priority: is is finding another big. And uh, there wasn't an, there was a name that came out today uh, from his name is Daniel. Ola Dapo, and he is from Oakland, and he averaged basically well, it was like ten and eight a game, um, which is pretty impressive to average nearly a double double. uh, And he would, I believe, have three years of eligibility. That's kind of become another name I've turned my attention to now. Uh, Knowing that Christian Christian Bishop is probably uh, not coming to Mizzou, who else are we gonna get to fill that that big spot?
0: Yeah, um, I like this. Oladapo guy. Victor Oladipo. Yeah, that's what I want to keep saying. (laughs) Uh, I really like his, just like from an analytic standpoint, he played a ton of minutes at Oakland um, as a junior um, and was incredibly efficient, shot 61.5% on two-pointers, didn't attempt a single three. He's only listed at 6'7", but 222. yeah, I mean, he got to the free throw line. He only shot about 60% from the free throw line, but one of the best rebounders in his conference and uh, an offensive rating of 115. So we need guys that can score around the basket, and he seems to fit that bill. I didn't, I haven't watched any highlights of him. I don't know if he's like a above-the-rim athletic finisher or if he's more kind of a under-the-rim efficient guy, but i'll take it either way <laughs> i would i mean
1: it's probably easy for me to say this knowing Christian bishop is not coming to mizzou coming to mizzou but i would on, honestly almost put this guy ahead of Christian bishop in my mind is f- how he can uh fill a role at mizzou i think he's just a a bruiser who can who can get a ton of rebounds and 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 score down low that that's very attractive to me
0: kyle's always kyle's attracted to bruisers i let yeah, you know I, you know me well um yeah. So yeah. Honestly, at this point, seeing what they could do, what they could turn that that last scholarship into, maybe like that semester, or um, just having it available for next off season. If Axel Akongo wants to come back. That's a good point. Uh, that's always a possibility. Um, but I think at this point, that's probably Tamar Bates's scholarship if he wants it. I would at least hope that that's the way the staff is viewing it. Don't know if he wants it, but I think you're probably right. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I'm thinking potentially he doesn't. Um, (laughs) But he was just finishing up his, like, uh, I don't know if I guess it's AAU season, but they had a tournament, the Geico National Tournament that just ended uh, recently. So he publicly said he wasn't going to do any recruiting stuff until after that was over. So he's kind of still just getting started in this process. So, long, potentially a little ways to go there for him. I still think he probably follows Shaka Smart to Marquette. I he, agree. He said the only reason he was going to Texas was because of Smart. Yeah, he did an interview recently
1: um, after his tournament, mm-hmm. just kind of talking about some of the schools he's been talking to, and I don't think he even mentioned Missouri. Uh, he mentioned a lot of schools like Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Marquette, Marquette. Um, those kind of those kind of schools i i really don't i really
0: would would say missouri is uh, is a very much a long shot but uh weirder things have happened so you're telling me that the two guys i want christian bishop and tamar bates is not happening. i need i need to get over it
1: i'm not telling you it's not happening i'm just telling you it's probably not happening sounds like sounds like you think it's not happening hey uh i would say um nothing in mizzou basketball recruiting is predictable so sure. except for i can usually tell you who we're not going to get <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm at. That, I mean, that, so. that's, that's
0: why I feel like you, uh, you've got it figured out here. Well, wow. it's no, just like the idea that whoever ends up on the roster, we probably don't even know their name right now. All right, so Kyle, what I wanted to circle back to regarding uh, Coleman is just how basically I, I want to have a conversation about the coaching staff. We know that Conzo Martin's job is safe. Um, and I don't have any problem with that. Now, basically I want to pose the question to you and then we can kind of talk through it. Is there potentially any benefit to, uh, shaking up the assistant staff? Um, basically what are the assistants bringing to the table and Uh are we getting uh, the most bang for our buck with those two main assistant positions?
1: Well, to be completely honest, um, yes, I think that there could be value in, in changing of the coaching staff. Um, As far as the assistant coaches go, I don't know everything that is brought to the table by, by both individual guys. You know, when we talk about uh, why the staff was assembled, when we, we can think about Cornell man, he has history uh, working with, um kind of a, a certain player that is like Michael Porter Jr in the fact that he's kind of plays the 3 or 4 um what was it Royce Williams is that Royce, Royce White Royce, who's Royce Williams who knows Royce White he worked with Royce White at Iowa State and
0: was very successful kind of a at a point forward type player high usage like uh high usage forward that kind of they ran the show through him mm-hmm. and then again at Iowa State with George Niang, Yang. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those guys were pro players after that. Right. So Cornell Mann was I- incredibly successful at
1: Iowa State with running that kind of offense, running the offense through those kind of players. And so it made a lot of sense whenever he came over to Mizzou to kind of design a similar offense for, for Michael Porter Jr. And obviously we know how that ended. And Michael Porter Jr. was not an option in that
0: offense. Well, yeah. that. I, but, I mean, just you saying that makes all the sense in the world. Like, of course – If I'm Konzo, I'm looking at, okay, pre his first season in Columbia. I know if I'm Konzo, I know I have the Porter brothers coming in. And it seems like he would have been able to go to a Cornell man and say, hey, look, this is what I've got coming in. Number one player in the country. He's a super skilled, nearly seven footer. I see what you've done with these players at Iowa State. Let's build this offense around Michael Porter Jr. And we'll have an incredible season. And there's no reason to think that that wasn't going to be the case until he didn't play all but one and a half games for Mm -hmm. Missouri. And Jonte maybe kind of stepped stepped
1: into that role and was very successful. Um, But dating back to the season that Jonte played, we really haven't had that dominant a player to, to run the offense through especially a player at the four position and it kind of makes you wonder what have how have they adapted how has cornell man adapted and what has
0: he brought to the table to kind of make up for for that lack of talented player yeah i mean if you keep looking at that four spot and how they've used it I have, I mean, and just like putting this all together in the last week, it seems so obvious now. And maybe some of our listeners have already figured all this out and are way ahead of us, but how many times do we see Kevin Perrier coming out to the top of the key, getting the first pass from the point guard and like they're running the offense through him. He's making that first read of the defense to figure out where to go with the ball, or there's something preset maybe, but it's going through the four spot first. Um, and that's kind of initiating the offense and, thinking about that now and obviously that's what they did at at Iowa State and I can only imagine it was like a dream come true for that offense to be paired with a player like Michael Porter Jr. and then Jonte and that's why I think um, Coleman could be you know that player again where if he if you're initiating the offense through him as of the four spot he can pull up immediately and then he can distribute drive um, whatever he needs to do so so, knowing that, knowing that we could
1: have the key to unlocking that Cornell Mann offense, now I'm reconsidering my position a little bit where I still think Cornell Mann brings a lot to the table potentially this season, depending on how they want to use Boogie Coleman. Um, as far as Hollander, I don't know as much in, about him individually. I know he had a really good relationship with Brandon McKissick and thought that might be uh, the key to that recruiting win, but it was not, uh, but did not happen. Um, but you know, I, I I don't know that I know enough about their roles within the program to to call for their jobs, but um it is a little bit rare that this unit has worked together for this long. It's been what three, four seasons now where we haven't had any turnover. Um
0: Michael Porter Senior. I mean but we, we all know why he was in Columbia.
1: Right. Of the core, of the core
0: guys and the strength yeah. and conditioning, none of that's turned over at all since Conzo got here. Um, and maybe and and that even leads lends more credence to the idea that they haven't had the guy, um, you know, on the team to run the offense that they want to run. And I can only hope that now, with Coleman, plug him into that spot and implement some of the more fast-paced uh, transition offense that this past season brought to the table. Maybe we can finally get a more effective, efficient Missouri offense that's kind of like the dream of what they wanted to set up from day one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, we just laid out that whole scenario and it could have literally no relevance or credence whatsoever, but I do think we're onto something and I do think that there's a good chance that Boogie Coleman has a very bright future uh, on this, in this offense. I'm not even going to say
0: it. Uh, We just cursed him, but (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you did say it. I said it. You just put the curse on. Well, It's a reverse jinx. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, He'll be fine. (laughs) Please. Just keep him in your thoughts. Keep keep him in your thoughts. Uh, The other thing that Cornell man brings to the table, air quotes, is his ties to the state of Michigan. And that has been super useful so far.
1: (laughs) You just had to say that, didn't you? Well, I mean,
0: we're talking about what these guys bring to the table. No, you're exactly right. Come on.
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, he uh, he's really good at finishing second. Trey Jackson,
0: yeah, that's yes. He had a, a good game. Uh, Cornell man has been really good at finishing second place in recruiting to Michigan State. There you go. But the same can be said about Conzo finishing second place to all the Blue Bloods for many other players.
1: We just need some. We need something to show off to the recruits. Say this is wh- this is how we're going to use you,
0: and show them Boogie Coleman yeah. highlights of him hitting six threes a game yeah. could have been uh could have been EJ Liddell he could have been the next one that w- was we are really violent today <laughs> with yeah, all geez. of this stuff <laughs> I mean <laughs> the listeners were already thinking
1: that is my soft that is my softest spot is thinking about EJ Liddell well, it
0: doesn't help you to think about that Missouri just never had a chance because... <laughs> Did they not? I don't think so. He was always going to go to Ohio State. Literally, I guess. he loved watching Ohio State football as a kid, and he, that became his favorite team, so he was just going to go there. I mean, I'm sure if they were just a dumpster fire of, an, of a basketball program, probably not, but...
1: You know what's funny to think about is a uh, slight uh, topic change here, but we were at the tournament of champions of the year that he was there and we were like in the interview room all wearing our like Missouri sports podcast gear is probably like blinding him. We're like 10 feet away from him and we're all wearing our Missouri sports podcast gear. And he's wearing a Ohio state And he's already, already, committed, already to, to, committed. Yeah. We, yeah, we, I'm sure he almost wanted to flip to Mizzou when he saw all of us
0: in there. But. What's probably more correct. Um, I'm almost certain is the fact that he did not notice us because he was Um, being interviewed and he is a high schooler and he was playing in a basketball tournament and we were completely insignificant as was everybody else in the room and since we didn't ask him any questions he had no reason to look at us that's what i'm thinking
1: totally disagree with that (laughs) we were right in front of him he was just sitting there well his coach was being interviewed so while his coach is talking he's just sitting there staring at us Uh, he noticed I know he did I don't know we'll have to ask him sometime (laughs) but anyways
0: he ended up being way better than I even thought of course so that's how that goes I wish him success in the NBA you think he stays in the draft no I think he comes back for home right here yeah oh what could have been um what about uh what about Coach Hollander anything uh I think he works with the big men mostly was he, he came from Evansville, right? I think. Was so. he
1: instrumental in getting Drew Smith? We'll give him that credit.
0: I don't know. We just we just mostly wanted to like uh, put the pieces of the puzzle together with uh Cornell man and the four spot and mm. Coleman and the Porter brothers. Well it just It's a theory. It's all making sense. Yeah. We've we've been uh connecting the dots with like yarn and like have pictures on the wall, so Yeah. But it's all coming together. So in theory, this is going to be the year. Plug Coleman into that point forward, run the run the offense through him. What, what <laughs> I really want,
1: what I really want to ask you is, how is Missouri's offense kind of
0: recover from Drew Buggs transferring? I don't know if they ever will, honestly. He's in the portal. Um, will he follow Mark Smith to Kansas State? That was more. That was another one of those um,
1: guys that I could have. Imagined potentially res- uh, returning to Mizzou at one point. Um, was that another casualty of didn't have a good enough reason? Did he just want to transfer and play somewhere else? I don't know what, this
0: is, what the scenario is there, but interesting. Well, and, and I thought that this whole past season, they were kind of it, it, like if I was watching a TV show of the uh, Mizzou basketball team, then like a scripted show, then they're like setting up this character, Drew Bugs, to like come back for another season and then like be on the staff and like, you know, be a graduate assistant and all kinds of stuff. Like, that was his character arc that I had in my head for his time in Columbia. And uh, obviously, that well, doesn't seem to be happening. I
1: thought it made sense for him to want to come back to Mizzou because he could potentially have a bigger role next year. I think he had more in the tank than he showed us this year. I think he just knew that he. There were other guys on on the team that had bigger roles, and so he just chose not to shoot very much and stuff. I think that he could have scored more if he wanted to. I'm not saying that would have been a great thing for Missouri's prospects of winning games, but uh, I definitely thought that he might want to come back, and maybe he was told not to come back. Who knows? We'll
0: never know. Yeah, but I mean, the, the way that... He the, did
1: play a lot of minutes in the game versus Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, and the way that they, the players like referred to him as Coach Bugs, I just thought, you know, like, I don't know. I thought maybe that he coach was de- on the floor. Yeah, he was destined for that, like move to the bench and sit next to the coaches after his playing days are over. Maybe he
1: will somebody else.
0: Perhaps. Um. I have no idea how long we've been talking today, Kyle, because I started the I started the clock I started recording way before we actually started the episode. So you're kidding me. We may not have any video for this episode oh now that we no. look up at the camera, but
1: <laughs> I think it's full.
0: <laughs> it looks like the memory card's full. Going audio only this week. Yep. Gosh. I'm sure uh, producer camera will have to come up with something creative for the, for the YouTube video on this one. Congratulations. You just like, you just like play video of a completely different episode <laughs> and just <laughs> like the but, lips don't match. Yeah. But, and everybody's just like, man, the audio and the video is just not syncing up. It's cause we're saying entirely different words. <laughs>
1: Just, just loop the, like, 10 minutes we got, like, yeah. for the whole <laughs> There <episode>. you go.
0: <coughs> um, I'll find some, like, uh, royalty-free stock photos of, like, the players that we talk about and stuff that you can like, <laughs> throw up on the screen during the appropriate <laughs> segments. See how that goes. I hate it. Um, did we get everything out that we needed to talk about this week? I think so. It's exciting times. It is. It's fun. Yeah. And, I, and at some point, we need to, like, actually take stock of the full 2020 slash 21 basketball season but with the rate that news is coming out and we have to like keep up with the roster who's in who's out
1: we'll we'll have
0: time to talk about that stuff yeah, like it'll slow down at some point yeah. and then we'll be wondering we'll, what we're going we'll to have an about. actual off season yeah. to get through all this stuff but it is exciting i enjoy talking about it very much I hope everybody enjoys listening about it as much <laughs> congratulations parker yeah we'll get you a shirt asap
1: all right, everybody. That's all we got for you. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, and Spotify. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Missou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. Sorry, I was just thinking about what I'm going to have to do to this video. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. we lost you the moment we
0: looked up at that camera. Oh, man.
1: Uh, you can find our t shirts and stickers on our. Online shop, missourisportspod.bigcartel.com.
0: I would take losing the video 10 out of 10 over uh, losing the audio, though. It's like the olden days. Yep. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.